Well, hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back. We're going to continue on with uh, our devotions in Galatians 3. I say good morning because I know most of you listen in the morning, but truth be told, I'm recording this in the evening just because I stay a bit ahead and I realized I hadn't gotten one done yet for for Monday morning. So um, the sounds are a bit different out here on my back porch in the evening than they are in the morning, but uh, the Lord is abundantly present. So let's take a look at uh, verses uh, 23 to 25. That's what Paul says. He says, But before faith came, we were kept under a guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. This is a, these three verses tie in with the last verses we've been studying, where Paul had talked about how... Uh, uh, we are our, our, our sin and uh, the scripture and, and, and our sin had confined us into a, a jail cell. And the, the idea behind confinement is, is to, is imprisonment to be locked away. But the idea that Paul's talking about here about being under guard is less about imprisonment and more about like protective custody. It's like, you know, keeping us safe and yeah, there is a sense in which we're imprisoned by our own sin uh, under the law that we, it puts us into jail because we are found guilty, because we can't live up to it. But Paul's giving us a little different thought here. He's, he's showing us that, that the law actually also was a guard for us to, to, to protect us until the time could come where, and we're getting there. I know it's going slow, but we're getting there where this book of Galatians breaks forth into um, your time being fulfilled. Um, and so the question is how? How does the law protect us? And, and, and really, the idea here is that it protects us by showing us the heart of God. It protects us by showing us the best way to live um, and showing us what we should say no to and what we should say yes to. And by providing this foundation for the way we'd actually live all of our lives, you know, not just our lives before God, but the best life. I tell people all the time, you don't have to be a Christian to live a better life. If you just follow the precepts of the Sermon on the Mount, you know, you'd live a, you'd live a better life. And this is, there's a sense in which the, the, the law, Jesus even says that the, the law is, is, um, he didn't come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. And, you know, he says those words. In fact, if you look at the way that he, he enters into the, um, to the Sermon on the Mount, it's so powerful. He says, don't think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have, not, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of these, the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. I mean, what a standard. He's telling us not only is the law, uh, you know, a standard of life that, that the teachers of the law, that we have to, our righteousness has to go beyond theirs. And he gets into, you know, how uh, he says, you've heard it said that the law says anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, if you're even angry, he says, you've heard it say you shouldn't commit adultery. But I'm telling you, if you even look lustfully 
at a woman that you've already committed adultery in your heart. He goes on and on and on about, you know, love for enemies and oaths and, and the way that we need to give our money and how we're supposed to pray and how we're supposed to fast and how we're supposed to, uh, you know, store up our treasures in heaven and how we're not supposed to worry and how we're not supposed to judge others. And it's just, it's so intense. And when he gets to the end of this, um, it says the people were amazed because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers, that, that Jesus was able to bring something deeply authoritative when he opens up the law for them. And so the law was never intended to, and Jesus says it's not to be abolished. It's intended to serve this deep purpose for us to bring us to Jesus. I mean, that's the real point of the law is to bring us to Jesus. And if someone doesn't present the law in a manner that brings people to faith in Jesus, they aren't presenting it properly. And I think that's what Paul's getting at is that the way Jesus presented the law was to show people that they they couldn't fulfill it and they needed to look beyond the law uh, or beyond, not beyond the law, but beyond law keeping to find righteousness that was greater than the scribes and the Pharisees, that they had to look beyond their ability to fulfill it. They had to look to this way maker, this, this lawgiver, uh, to actually fulfill the law on their behalf by faith. And so after faith had come, we no longer needed a tutor. We've come to a, to a relationship of faith. We don't have to live under the tutor, but we remember the tutor. We don't disregard the tutor. We don't put the lessons behind. We don't we don't abolish the law in our own lives. We, we just don't live under it. We live under Jesus by faith. And the word that Paul uses here that we would translate as tutor is actually a really powerful word. We get the word, you know, uh, pedagogue or, or um, you know, the, the idea of, of uh, pedagogical teaching. And it's more than just tutoring. It's like to, it's teaching, but guardianship. The whole idea there was that the tutor actually lived with the child. I think it, the tutor in that time actually lived as a slave. Like the tutor never left the child's side. And the idea was that the tutor was there for all of the child's life. But when the child had grown, um, the, 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 tu- the tutor goes away. The, the child continues to live under the, under the lessons, under, in relationship to what they learned under the tutor, but they don't actually live under the tutor anymore. And so this is a powerful picture of what it's like for us to be grown up, to mature in faith, that we learn, and even as Jesus says, we are, our, our righteousness must surpass the teachers of the law in all these ways in which he shows us. But the only way we accomplish that is by putting our faith and our trust in him. Praise God that I can live a righteous life, a righteousness that surpasses that which was taught by the scribes and Pharisees. But I do this not by my ability to keep the law, but by Jesus's ability to keep the law. And so we just want to thank you, Lord, for your righteousness and that we can exchange your righteousness for our sin. And we thank you, Father, for the law and for the way in which it has so gloriously tutored us into a deep and abiding faith with you. Teach us, Lord to follow you in every single way, that not even the least stroke of the letter of the law would be abolished from our lives, but would ultimately be fulfilled in Jesus' name. Amen. And Maranatha.